Welcome to Life in the Land of the Ice and Snow. My name is Heather, and I'm here today with my co-host, Shayna. Hello. Hello. And our guest today is Adam from Australia. Hello. It's very nice to be here. Thank you for having me. Thank you for coming. And thank you for hosting us, too. We're in your office tonight. Uh, uh, I don't think anyone else at Berg's knows, and so long as they never find out, you're always welcome here. Oh, well, that you. part's But you're, we're cut. very happy to have you here. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks. Okay, so Adam, how long have you been in Sweden? So officially four years and a couple of weeks. If I are you counting like that? No, I can just like I've recently done migration paperwork, so you get pretty good with dates from yeah. a few years ago. And then I yo-yoed in and out for about a year before that, kind of taking certain liberties on my French visa at the time. Ah. But that's fine. So why did you have a French visa? I I lived in Paris for a few years. Which was really great fun. Nice. Was it just like, I want to live in Paris? Or was there a reason that you went there? Uh, I mean, maybe two reasons. One is I fell a little bit, a lot in love with a very beautiful, young, talented uh, Aussie girl who was moving there. And at the time, I'd been in Australia for longer than I wanted to be. And I always wanted to live in Europe. And Paris to the best of my knowledge and research at the time, is a city in Europe. So yes. it seems like a great place to be. Definitely. So how did you how did you find it? Good. I mean, I did that thing that overconfident, tall, good-looking, white, blue-eyed Australians do, which is to turn <laughs> up in a foreign city without a job or a language, without the local tongue. So I turned up without a job being... But you can get away with that. <laughs> yeah, well, kind of. So, it was quite humbling to actually have to go and get a job there. But it was okay. It worked out. How did how did that work? Because they don't speak much English uh, there. Did you already speak French? No, my French was wow. terrible then and is terrible to this day. I mean, I, I did everything from like I would go sit in reception and people would ask me why I was there. <laughs> and I would politely try to explain in slow, careful English that uh, I wanted to talk to anyone that worked in the agency, in the creative department, and I just wanted to meet them and that kind of stuff. And like that, I think they took pity on those, on <laughs> that, because it was such a ridiculous thing to do. That was your tactic. Yeah. That, so, I would wow. just go sit in receptions and just wait for people. And I would, you know, use half the battery on my phone waiting for someone to come out. But I think like curiosity got the best of them and they would often go and take coffee with you and hang out and... That's, oh, actually, lovely about it. That's a pretty interesting approach. That is a very interesting approach. Uh, would you ever do that in Sweden? Yeah, I did. I tried that in Sweden. It didn't work as well. It was, <laughs> Why not? Why do you think not? Um, it, is, it feels like this weird invasion of professional and personal space. No, it, it's definitely not as... But why did it work in Paris? Uh, because it was weird and interesting. Here, it's just weird. <laughs> I think. <laughs> From Paris to Sweden. Yeah. Was there something in between or did this? Yeah, I've, I met a very amazing uh, Swedish Norlander called Sarah, uh, mm -hmm. who was a jewelry designer at And Other Stories. And after she'd been in Paris for quite a few years and she was looking to come back to Sweden to be close to her family and a whole bunch of other stuff. And I didn't want to go back to Australia. Because that would, to me, feel like admitting defeat. 
I wasn't quite ready for that. I understand. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, it's not. Uh, everybody's happy to see you back, and, and it doesn't mean yeah. defeat or anything. You just simply go where you feel comfortable and where you want to go. But I think a lot of us start to get that in our head, especially at the beginning, that yeah. well, I can't give up, you know. But well, even, even to me, it would feel like defeat to go back to somewhere that was... That familiar, like an old pair of shoes kind of thing. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's like I think for some people it can be comforting, and then for other people it's like no, move forward. Um, always something new. But where in Australia are you from? So Victoria. So I'm from a small town called Lindeno, which is a hundred people. A hundred people? About a hundred people. Wait, like what? Yeah, I don't think I've met anyone that lives in such a small, like never a hundred people. Yeah, it's a small farming area. So like lots of dairy farms and vegetable farms. Is everybody your cousin and uncle? Like, <laughs> I mean, I mean, I haven't done the 23 and me thing yet. <laughs> and I, having this new information, maybe I won't. I don't think so. I mean, there's lots of good families there, but it's pretty respectable mostly. Yeah. <laughs> But did you live there up until the time you moved to France? No. So I, I moved. I left there when I, on my 18th birthday and went to university in Melbourne, which is a city that you've heard of yes. with far yes. more than 100 people. Okay. <laughs> so that's about a city of about four and a half or five million people. Okay. Went to uni there. And so that I guess that became home. So then you followed Sarah to yes. Sweden. Yes. Did you have any reservations about that? Did you kind of think, oh, well... You know, Stockholm, Paris. Hmm. No, I mean the reservations. <laughs> it's gonna be cold. <laughs> I mean, how bad can things be when you can just like put all your stuff in a bag, use your credit card, and get out of here? Do you know nice. what I mean? They've got this like, you know, there's there's migration and immigration comes in all forms, and like mm-hmm. you know, to be at the privileged spectrum, privileged end of that does make it a little bit easier. Well, if you're not tied down, you don't have, you know, you don't have kids, yep. you don't have like a major career or something, mm. then it, it's nice to kind of have that freedom. Yeah. Though I want to change the wording to followed and change it to imported. Oh, yeah. Right? With like we are like an imported nice bottle of wine, right? And then we <laughs> just like get it. better with age. Yeah. So. No, Swedes we're not are very, following. Swedes are very good at bringing the best people back. Exactly, right? Yeah. They I do think that. So. They kind of they, I think we can all agree at this table, oh, right? Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. They they've they've yeah, they're excellent at that. <laughs> so when you first came to Stockholm, what what did you find very different or interesting? So we I mean, we arrived in summer and it was really good fun to find a culture that fetishized summer more than the French. So that was, I mean, it was kind of hard to hit the ground running when there was no ground to hit. Everyone had disappeared to their summer houses to renovate endlessly or paint or whatever they do. But you do understand now why the Swedes are so fascinated by summer and take advantage of every single minute of sunlight. as we don't have it half the yeah. year. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, the weather is downright bipolar, like yeah. straight up yeah. bipolar. That's yeah. a really good description. I've never yeah. thought of it that way. Yeah, <laughs> because the, oh, the summers here, um, you just can't beat them, especially when it's good summer. Um, but you've got that trade-off. But I think a big part of it is you really appreciate the sunshine, the summer. During the summer, even I feel like if it's a sunny day, I have to go outside and do something. It doesn't matter how tired I am or what's going on. You feel like you're wasting it because you know what's coming. <laughs> but you do have another 12 hours from that moment of realization. So well, you've got guess, some time. Yeah, you're in not the in a day. rush. Just, no. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's very true. And it's like, the, like, if you look at ice cream consumption, 
different cultures are really good fun. Sweden, I mean, they're all really good fun. Sweden's interesting in lots and lots of ways. And just looking at the way their relationship with ice cream is really insightful. So, like, a week ago, this is kind of late January, which is historically a very cold and dark, wet, snowy time. Like, you see brave souls defying the odds and eating ice cream in public. And so, things like that. I'm one of those. Yeah, I respect that. I was like, you know, walking home the other day and the ice cream truck is going in the middle of January. That does sound weird in in the middle of the winter. I'm (laughs) convinced. Yeah, but I'm convinced there's there's some sort of money laundering drug thing going on. Oh, yeah, mafia. Totally. (laughs) That's definitely that. Of course. (laughs) And there's a hamburger place in Solar that never has customers. There's like. Oh, yeah. It's a Netflix series to be written. But it's funny because if you asked any outsider, you would never guess that Sweden is one of the biggest just ice cream consumers and fanatics and just Mm. all the flavors and all the different types. Mm. And when I was, I might have told this story on the podcast before, but when I was in Texas, I had a brief job at an ice cream parlor. And once it hit... October, November, and the temperatures plummeted to about 20 Celsius, 70 Fahrenheit. Then they said, well, you know, we're just not going to need a lot of extra people now Mm. because nobody wants ice cream when it's... yeah. yeah. Just a sidebar on ice cream. Why can you not get the vanilla chocolate that like art, like the swirl... It's a special um, special machine. Yeah, but you think. think. Like, it's the best They're hiding cream. that technology. It's like the Canadians with their Zambonis. Before we sat down to start recording, you brought something up and I've totally forgotten Malicious. what it was. Malicious, what was it? Compliance. Malicious compliance. Let's talk about the Swedes and malicious compliance. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> first of all, I not to fall into the trap of the you know the outside of the complaints about a culture that they pretty much chose to be in and like if they really didn't want to be in it they could probably get out <laughs> so let's not kind of complain about it but it does strike me as it's very hard to protest as a good Swede there's a lot of there feels like there's I don't know I haven't asked all of them but I've checked with a few <laughs> and it feels like there is like inferred pressure to be a good citizen. And Mm. it's like, you saw that in the lockdown and the pandemic where they didn't have hard and fast, crazy rules like other countries. They had guidelines and like a good Swede would would work at home and all that kind of stuff. And people followed them. And people did, I know. I mean, everybody follows the rules. I mean, I don't think you could do that in Texas or Australia. It's like the rules apply to everyone else except for me. Mm. Right. And like, right. they don't understand that Those I got to do this thing. Yeah. They're going to follow that, but not yeah. me. Yeah. But here, people just naturally... I mean, there were the outliers. There were outliers. Well, that's everywhere. I mean, in general, when you went to the grocery store, nothing needed to be said. Everyone stood a polite distance apart. Yeah. Granted, they normally stand a polite <laughs> distance apart. Yeah. But- <laughs> so, and I think like, I think it's a culture where it's hard to protest that pressure so I think what you have is this like weird thing where you get like malicious compliance. So what you're doing is you're strictly following the letter of the law, but you're doing it in a way that's like a bit of an F you to those around you. And Examples? So, I mean, I'm a, I'm a cyclist, as I mentioned. I'm a very proud cyclist. I love, I'm almost happiest on a bike and that's my own quirk. That's fine. Sarah and I are working through this. <laughs> That's a good quirk to but have, it's, though. <laughs> but it's like you find that like traffic is extremely 
malicious in its compliance. So, it will do exactly what it legally should do to the point where it's obnoxious or dangerous. Mm -hmm. Whereas the French, bless them. And again, I haven't cycled around all of them or interviewed all of them. (laughs) But they would be like, they would be very almost gentlemanly in their conduct around cyclists. So, like, you know, Mm -hmm. I'd go home to Australia and they're like, oh, what's Paris like? It's like, we watch movies and TV. They must be rude and obnoxious. And I'm like, no, they're lovely. (laughs) They're they're really nice. I agree. (laughs) Yeah. So, it's like, I think that's a really interesting thing. And it's like, there's, I think it's pretty tough to have little pressure valves in Swedish culture, but I'm an outsider and I do, I'm just, I'm learning. So oh, that's just that's, a little anecdote. It's part of what this podcast is about is mm. the things that we all notice and we feel like we can't say anything because of this kind of situation. Like a lot of us chose to come here and you don't want to complain, but come on, we're only human and there are things that we notice and, and some it's of it's pretty weird. It's cathartic to have these conversations and meet someone like, oh, you think that, oh, fine, at least I'm not alone. And then you can go, but you, right. have a, you have a point on on how um, careful everybody follows. One way I enjoy that they follow the rules so good on some things, especially in driving, which yep. I guess is what you're Super complaining about. Generally, but you know, in Texas, it's like if Elaine just shows up next to you, you just drive right in it. It doesn't matter that there's a double yellow line yeah. or, or anything. And in Sweden. If Elaine comes in or or is going to go out, no one will cross that line until it becomes dotted. It doesn't matter if it's a half a mile well, it's up. The same thing as they the queue. It's it. the same thing as hopping a queue. You won't hop the queue. Yeah, no, I love it. No, yeah, it's predictable, and it's like it's a like it's a great platform to live your life on top of, like a predictable society. <laughs> yeah. It's like then you can have like a much higher quality set of problems. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Like, yes, yeah, speaking of problems, what other Swedish problems do you have? Mm, I'm from culture where it's more hierarchical and maybe more pragmatic. So extreme consensus can drive me a little bit batty, especially if it feels like ideas are getting a little bit compromised. Mm. Are you talking about, say, in the workplace where everything has to be a committee all the time? Because that that's definitely something that or I even find in like in a space of innovation, like like innovation does not work in consensus. I, I think it happens everywhere. Yeah. So it's like I think it happens in big, small companies, but it's just like it's of the culture. Yeah. And there's definite benefits, and you try and lean into those as much as possible. Yeah. Um, but it, it definitely changes how you go about getting stuff done. Hmm. Like, yeah, I mean, it's pretty. I'm sure it's a subject you've explored before, and I'm not the first That's person. That's okay. Everybody the, has a different angle. <laughs> yeah, but it's just like it. It it does feel like the sometimes you miss the the speed and purity of a good idea, mm. or like not even a great innovation idea, just like some good common sense that we can all just shut up and get on with. Mm. So that it, it's yeah. I mean, there's strengths for it. I guess like if you. Slow stuff down a little bit. You do less dumb stuff, but mm-hmm. you probably try less things. I went to a really interesting workshop the other week and like, uh, you know, they, they were facilitating and they said, there's one decision maker. It was me. Oh my God, it was great. <laughs> so like, you know, we have a, you know, votes on four, votes on four. And I'm like, Ooh, it's so nice to be able to make decisions. I want that one. <laughs> yeah. No, it's great. It's yeah. really nice. Yeah. So I wanted to ask you, what did you bring with you when you came to Sweden that turned out to be completely pointless? Like, why did I even lug this thing over here? I didn't need to. But I'm guessing that, that you travel light. <laughs> 
When we moved, we moved on a domestic European flight. We just had a whole bunch of extra checked bags, which was like a clown circus arriving at Arlanda Airport. <laughs> it was pretty bonkers how we arrived. No, I don't know. I mean, we travel pretty light. We're, we don't have... I mean, Paris apartments are tiny, right? So, yeah, right. like, you don't you don't collect that much stuff. It's a whole bunch of like summer stuff. I don't get as much time to wear because mm-hmm. summer's not especially hot, hot, hot. No, it's not Texas no. hot. I miss or Australia my hot. summer clothes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. To our um, other listeners from your part of the world, yes. uh, the Vegemite, do you want to give away your secret of where it is? Those fifteen jars. Yeah, I mean, I think the, I mean, Little Britain, everyone's second favorite oh, yeah. retailer on Gamlasan is yeah. is my favorite dealer of choice. I heard Costco may have Vegemite. I don't know if I need uh, seven, seven and a half kilos yeah. of Vegemite. <laughs> but it never goes bad, right? Uh, apparently it's got a use-by date. Oh, okay. It's, it's like the cockroach of food that should last forever, but we'll see. Yeah. <laughs> Probably dries and cracks or something weird. So, Adam, have you learned some Swedish sayings and do you have a favorite or one that you just really do not get? My favorite, it's really nice having a Norlander living in my right. apartment. And the, 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 like, you know, the sound that proud, quiet, reflective Norlanders make, which is the. Oh, drives me insane. Oh, Sorry. Really? <laughs> I'm like, to me, what is, it's like ASMR emergency? <laughs> to it, me, it's beautiful. It always sounds like there's some sort of like problem. Oh, I love it. Yeah, I love it too. But maybe that's like, I'm also married to a Norlander, so. Oh, I see. Because there's yeah. intonations. There's like fast, slow, sharp, soft. Like there's, there's a right, there's, it's tonal. It's actually a tonal language of one word. Mm. Eh, you have a good point. I don't know. If, I don't know about that. There's got to be a PhD about this somewhere. But it's. I think it's beautiful, and it's to me, it's extremely. That I think is really unique, and that's really cool. Could you explain a little more for people who listen who do not live in Sweden and haven't encountered this? I think Norlanders either have the reputation or the practice of being fairly quiet, reflective people, and you know, it's like it's very snowy up there and it's Arctic Circle kind of vibes up there. And so they've got this way of this this way of quietly agreeing or reflecting on something your conversational partner's said, which is just to instead of saying like mm or yeah or they just kinda of add like a little at the end of it. <laughs> will that pick up in the audio? Like <laughs> Oh I think it will. Yeah. So it's and it's really it's beautiful and it's it's it is tonal. So it's like just like English square English swear words are tonal a little bit. Like yeah. all of the famous English swear words are tonal, and you can use it to announce the, you know, a, a new pre- a new wanted pregnancy or a new job or a flat tire on your bike <laughs> or whatever. And so depending on how you use the word, yeah, oh, that's is the true. meaning. I was just curious about the, like, is there is there actually a word for it? Like you can't. There's no word for it. I don't know. I've never heard the word. Uh, like how do you describe like if you're going to write about it like how do you write the like, I can't do a it now. sharp intake of breath yeah, but yeah. That, that doesn't like that doesn't it needs That'd a be word a phonetic it needs a word yeah and also like I think that people from the south it's a little bit novel for them because it really is a bit of a Norlander thing mm. you know they don't really try it on mm. whereas like I don't know like in Australian culture you try on lots of different accents and swear words you know, because you get that you feel like you've got permission to absorb whatever. Mm. Like Southern Swedes don't feel like they do 
don't seem to do that as much. They're working too hard to protect their school and that accent. Yeah. God bless it. Just give them that shovel. Even I know it's ugly. <laughs> Can I say that? Go right ahead. Yeah, I just did. <laughs> well, thank you so much yeah, for, for being on and and sharing your experiences with us. It was very interesting. It's been a wonderful conversation, and thank you very much for having me. Yeah.